the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. You got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. Rolling into Labor Day weekend, Carrie. I know. Right? Did you bring the uh, pumpkin spice lattes in, Carrie? No, but you know, those pumpkin people who like pumpkin spice, which I like it, but there are people that are obsessed. I have family members that, like, as soon as that creamer comes out, yep. the coffee creamer, buy them up. If you there see you them, go. I was like, a run on them. So, we, you know, we usually take this weekend show kind of easy. Everybody, right. you know, is in some, and what a beautiful weather, weather. weekend shaping up on the North Coast oh, here. Oh, yeah. Can't ask for better. Uh, with the air show in town, have you seen any jets flying around? I found, no, I have We're not. taping the show on Friday. Um, we're maybe the only ones working today, Carrie. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. The, um, but, uh, no, it will be. So, but usually on this show, we just reflect on you know what is the state of the american labor mm. and we got the triple play payroll data this week um we also are coming off this is what year four of the rona labor this is the fourth rona labor day carrie mm-hmm. and our, our people aren't going to be wearing masks at the picnics this year are they I would hope not. Why? Well, because the new strain's out here. But you know what? It's a virus. If you read stuff, the flu, guess what? There's a new strain of the flu everywhere. COVID, I mean, anytime there's a virus, it doesn't get eradicated. So we'll take a look and see what, how is the American labor force doing? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of union talk going on this summer, right, Carrie? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of union contracts being negotiated and mm-hmm. possible strikes we're hearing. Of course, we had the great resignation after the Rona, right? And, and how many uh, people regretted? <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll see. Of course, this is the great Johnny Paycheck. You've heard this song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like an, like a stereotypical country song. <laughs> it was the number one country Although song, Carrie. Do you know what year? No. I'm saying 70s. Very good. I think it was I think it was 78. It sounds a little twangy to be 70s. Is Right. So uh, we'll sing with the, the paycheck theme, Carrie. So so here are the paycheck shock lines. Um, oh, let's see. Okay. Got a brand new flat top haircut. 
Actually, yeah, he didn't write it. David Allen Coe wrote the song here, but with Johnny Paycheck made it. All right. I don't hear any reference. I don't remember about a dog, though, or a shotgun. <laughs> 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. Any comments? That's shocking. Okay. Um, inflation is still squeezing their budgets, they say. Mm-hmm. Here's another shocking Do you live paycheck to paycheck? Here's 10 reasons why you're spending more. Here's another headline. Amer- Here's why Americans can't stop living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Okay. Um, how about this one, Karen? The average job applicant today says they won't accept a new job unless the paycheck is uh, more than $80,000. <laughs> uh, That's my reaction, I'm, I'm too. I'm sorry. I guess it depends. I, I'd say if you live in like New York City or California, that's probably reasonable because rent and cost of living there but in i mean on average are you kidding me and you know i i yeah i don't know what what level i mean is that for maybe the college graduates in in those big cities I, i think there's a disconnect from people what they say what they need to make a li- i'm not saying there isn't people that are hurting but as far as a reality check or things that people well, think right, they have to earn. Like I know people that, and it's more the younger people that think like having on a, a vacation isn't really discretionary. That's something I should be able to do every year to afford a vacation or be able to do these things that I think are more discretionary. Actually, I think the story even went on to say, Carrie, that even though they're saying, and that was a, that was a New York fed report. Study, okay. And, See in New York, you can't afford like that. But they, but they do it. They test everyone. Right, but right. but it was just done by the New York, and they've been doing it for years. But um, they said, yeah, I think the actual people are. It, the actual is around sixty three thousand. If you look right. At but again, we've been talking about on this on this uh, radio show, you know that what why do the averages even matter anymore in this country? It's too big to be worried about an average, right? Uh, but here's an interesting statistic here. For the youngest baby boomers, and I'm raising my hand in that category, right? right? You're the X generation, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody even reports on your generation. Yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but for the youngest baby boomers, their paychecks peaked. At what age do you think, Carrie? Hmm. 55? 45. Oh, that's surprising to me. Absolutely, because usually it's the as you get closer to retirement or your peak year earning years. Um, let's see. Uh, some other labor. Eighty-one percent of full-time workers want a four-day work week. Carrie, mm. is that hard to believe? No, no, I don't think that's hard to believe. As a matter of fact, isn't that part of the UAW? You know, UAW is their contract ends in September. Okay. And the union already voted the strike if they don't get what they want. So are they going to do like four tens? Well, they want a 32-hour work week, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about that's fine. Then do four tens. No, no. They want a 32-hour work week. Because who works 40 hours a week? I think 40 hours a week is like a gift. So, And I, and I was like, where well, are then they? Are they going to get paid for 32 hours? Oh, they're, gonna get, they're looking for a big increase. They want. So they want to work less and get paid more. Of course. It's I, payback, Harry. Labor strong in America right now. I know that, but I just disagree. Except unless you work for yellow. Things need to get done. Well, you saw the, we already talked about the UPS drivers, you know, at the end of the five-year contract, 
their their pay plus benefits is going to be around right. 170. That's not bad work. That's incredible. Um, you saw the the airlines, right? Right. Do you see what the American Airlines got in their contract negotiations? I did not see, but I was glad an, that they were able to negotiate an immediate 21 percent pay increase, and then in the four year contract, another five percent in 2024, another four percent in 2025 and 26, and then three percent in 27. Well, I just know airline prices are probably going up. You don't you think all this stuff is going up? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so a lot of a lot of negotiations. Um, now, of course, Yellow Freight went out of business because they couldn't come up with a deal right. with the with the team with the unster the the union. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, the the UAW they want a forty six percent pay raise here and a thirty two hour work week. What what percentage did you say that Mark? Forty six. So, I, I I think that's unreasonable. No, I don't know how many over years that is. I don't right. think that's immediate or how, a big chunk of it, I bet, is immediate. Right. But still, and to work less, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm of the theory if you want things, you work hard for it and you earn or work smart and you earn it. But then we can also say that, you know, even millionaires are feeling financially insecure, Terry. Okay, that's another shock line. Right. So it, it's it just, I guess... Well, I think it's the uncertainty. We have some a lot going on in this country worldwide with economic policies. You know, there's different inflation data, the market. I think it seems like the theme market doesn't matter if it's 2023 or 2013 that people are always worried because things fluctuate. We don't know what the future holds. And so I think the concerns and worries, certainly somebody with a multimillion, but people with a million dollars or two million dollars or three still or 500,000 still have the same worries and concerns. Well, will I have enough? Right. And and that's something that we've been trying to help Cleveland families for over 36 years. Try to determine and don't we say don't get caught up with the shock lines. Mm-hmm. Don't right. worry about the averages. You know, right. the internet is obsessed with telling us what the average retiree is. Or like you've said earlier, you used a good word, shock lines. They get you to read the article and it's often you if you're scanning headlines, there's much more to it than that. Remember, they're trying to get you to read their article. Right. All right. So, Carrie, get us started. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information, news, talk about concepts, um, planning strategies, and hopefully make you aware of issues, opportunities, potential problems, and really talking to people about things they can control when it comes to their financial life and hopefully um, educating people enough that they're not just letting things fall where they may and being passive. Um, Because often if you're passive, you default to the government's plan, which is um, minimum um, government's plan, which usually costs you more in taxes, whether it's minimum required distribution, um, whatever that may be. And um, you're we're sponsored by the estate planning team that is an Ohio registered affordable fee based fiduciary planning firm. And we've been around Cleveland area now more than 36 years, helping people through unbiased objective advice and analysis. What we do is traditional financial planning and modeling. And we can show people that are working 
when they can realistically afford to retire and have the retirement lifestyle they want, or if people who really want to quit tomorrow, um, we can show people what they can spend if they've decided to quit. And that can be true of people who are thinking, oh, I'm never going to be able to retire before 65 because there's a huge price tag on healthcare. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Um, are you underspending, overspending? Can even if your plan's working and we run these models based on conservative, realistic projections, then we incorporate planning tools. Can we do things to make it better? Can we look at timing of Social Security, pension elections? Um, can we look at um, tax efficient distribution planning from IRAs and company plans, Roth conversions, qualified charitable distribution? What tools do we have and strategies that you aren't using that you could be using and coordinating with your existing advisors, or in many cases, our clients handle that role themselves. Um, we don't do investments. Our clients do that on their own, or we work again with their investment advisor. We offer a free consultation and our process is very different than other planners out there. We get very detailed, or if you're someone who has a specific issue, we can help analyze that. And like I said, we help both people who are already retired or people thinking about their retirement, singles, widow, divorce, um, blended families, second marriages. We've seen, we've seen it all, um, special needs, whatever that may be since we We've been around a long time and that we can design a custom plan that that's based on your goals and what you're trying to accomplish. Even though we don't do any investments, we do look at your assets in terms of risk growth and tax efficiency. We have a, a timing where fixed rate for the first time in a very long time are very favorable. And that's true of money market CDs annuities, especially the multi-year guarantee annuity, guaranteed annuities that people should take advantage of, a laddered concept we've talked on this show. So how much risk do you really need to make your plan last? And are you taking on more risk than necessary? And then a lot of people, when wages end, how do you create the income you need as tax efficiently as possible. So take advantage of a free consultation. I know it's the weekend. You can always leave a message. We'll call you back on Tuesday morning, or you can send an email through our website. Also, if you visit our website, or if you want to call the office, we have our September IRA tax qualified asset and Roth planning classes, the only time we're doing those this year, and they're in Middleburg Heights. They are for anyone who has IRAs, company plans, or similar assets. We're going to talk about rules, costly mistakes, misconceptions, strategies you should be using to minimize the long-term tax impact, both during lifetime and to your heirs, because it is the most costly asset you can pass. Um, we'll talk about Roth contributions, conversions, the Secure Act 1.0 and 2.0, qualified charitable distributions, and show there's a great handouts that talk about these concepts, illustrate examples, and much more. And the classes are September 12th at 10 a.m. at the Middleburg Heights Community Center or September 20th at 6 p.m. at the Interstate Plaza Building, also in Middleburg Heights. To register, we do ask that you pre-register. You can do that online at financialfoodforthought.com. Call the office at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, so we're just going to take it, you know, laid back here on the long Labor Day week. And I will maybe at the uh, later on the show, we'll talk a little bit care about what we highlight at the class coming up. It's one of our most popular classes that we've done over the decades. But here's a little bit more 
digging into that data regarding that uh, what they call the reservation wage, Carrie, and that this okay. is this is the lowest salary at which a job applicant will accept a new role. Okay. Okay. So I guess that's maybe a little bit different than I first thought. So it might not just be college graduates. Maybe it is college graduates, but it would certainly be what we call the job hoppers. And the job hoppers have been hopping a lot this year, Carrie, mm-hmm. right? You know, they, they're saying because the labor market's so tight, they're crossing the road and saying, I'll go to work for a competitor because he's willing to pay me more. Right. Right. Um, and so what is that reservation wage? So this was, again, done by the New York feds. Um, and they've been doing it a long time. And this year it came out to be $78,645. Okay. That's almost a $6,000 jump from last year. As wow. I, as I said, the Fed's been doing this. The New York Fed has been doing this in 2014. This is also the highest reservation wage since that time. Okay. Um, the survey polls approximately a thousand people every four months on questions related to their current or most recent jobs. Um, oh, okay. So, so even though the reservation wage is higher, Carrie, yeah, this is what you, you were, you were kind of alerting to the, what are, what are people actually doing though, right? Even though they say they wouldn't right. take that job for less than 80,000. Right. You know, so um, the survey found that the average full-time offer salary that workers have received over the past four months was 69475 So close hmm. to $70,000. Um, that's still a, that's a 14% increase from the previous year, Carrie. That's, so, so that's part of the idea. Are, are we seeing a wage spiral that's going to uh, y- you know, affect what the Federal Reserve and I guess you could throw in Bidenomics is trying to do, right? And, you know, there are a lot of people think the Federal Reserve has successfully navigated the soft landing. But, you know, there's also, Carrie, it always looks it like. You, I was going to say, it's not over yet. You know, it always looks like you're in a soft landing until, Carrie, you hit the ground, right? Right. Um, and I don't know if we hit the ground yet. And certainly the Federal Reserve is not taking a victory lap right now. I think Biden is taking a victory lap for Bidenomics. Because he doesn't, yeah. Um, but, you know. All right. And then I saw lots of headlines of where economists are slamming Bidenomics. Right. And, and it's the idea is, you know, so again, you, how are you concerned about this? We read the shock lines earlier. Are you concerned? Well, instead of sitting at the home on your couch worrying about it, that's why, you know, we help people put together a detailed financial written plan that you understand what assumptions are going into it so you can get some peace of mind that even if we have a worst case scenario, sometimes we call that plan R for recession, that you're still being okay. You're still on track to retire next year if that's what you're planning. Or if you recently retired, you won't have to go find an encore career. These are all things that, that you know, I, don't ask your neighbor. Mm-hmm. This is not your parents' plan. It's not your coworkers' plan. You have to kind of do this yourself. But we can also look at other empirical data to say, okay, well, you know, can we see, you know, get a hint of what really may happen? So we got big economic data this week, Gary. So I'm just going to zero in on three things. You know, one is PCE. You know, that's the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation right. factor. Um, then we have GDP. We got the second 
read of the second quarter GDP. How is the country doing? And the third, as I mentioned, it's a triple play payroll. You know, the jobs data came out uh, today, Friday, and we had the JOLTS report and we had other reports. So looking at those, let's see what these kind of tell us, because that's what everybody's waiting right now is to see what is the Federal Reserve's next move? You know, are they going to continue to raise rates? Are they going to tell us that they're pausing? And why is that important to your finances? Well, again, if rates are going up, Carrie, you mentioned the the, the attractive fixed rate products we have right, right. now: CDs, uh, money, money market, market accounts. You know, MIGA annuity, multi year guaranteed annuities. And by the way, the multi year guarantee annuities, because we watch all those, you know, are raising rates as of September fifth. And and so everyone's waiting to see. Well, is the Fed going to raise in September? Um, so they're looking, they say they're data dependent. So let's take a look at it. So GDP. Okay. So as I said, this week, we got the second read on second quarter GDP. Carrie, it went down. Okay. Okay. So well, that's why people, you know, it's a roller coaster out there. So remember it ended last, well, the first quarter, you know, ended at 2%. Okay. But for those three reads, remember, we get three reads on GDP, the first, second, and then the third. But in the first quarter, that was a rising up. The first read was 1.1%. The second read was 1.3%. And the third and final read for the first quarter was 2%. Mm-hmm. Okay, And everybody was saying, Whew, right. no recession, we have positive GDP. So then we went into the first read of the second quarter at 2.4%. Okay. I even higher. But now we've got the second read. Okay. And we dip back down to 2.1%. Okay. All right. Um, now, um, I don't know if the, you know, if, if uh, what the, you know, so everyone's watching and say, what is going to happen to the GDP in the third quarter? Are we going to see the trend that we thought was going up? Is the trend now going down? And then there's other things. So, so we're, we're going to have the Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, so have you heard about this? They Gary, they say that Taylor Swift, mm. Beyonce, and Barbenheimer. Do you know what Barbenheimer is? No. Right? Okay, Barbenheimer is the nickname for or the name that you know the Barbie movie oh, yeah. and Oppenheimer movie came out on the same oh, okay. the same day, right? And it just brought tons of people okay. out to the theaters, right? And then if Barbie was sold out, everyone went to Oppenheimer, right? Okay. So the combined was was huge. But anyways, Taylor Swift, you know, who've heard right. about her tour, Beyonce, and Barbenheimer is expected to add $8.5 billion. That's B, as in Barbie care. Okay. $8.5 billion to U.S. growth in the third quarter. Okay. And then people say, like, I, you know, the amount of concert tickets, like, I guess these celebrities, whether it's Beyonce or Taylor Swift, you know, talk about, like, equality and all this stuff, but they what they charge for their ticket prices. Carrie. Like, how do people, I bet people will forego other things to see them in concert. Carrie, have I mentioned we have a bit of a wealth gap in this country? But I'm saying, no, I know people who don't have money that will go to Beyonce and Taylor Swift and forego necessities for those pricey concert tickets. Interesting you say that, Carrie, because I do have a stat here. Carrie, okay. what do you think the average cost in America of a night out if you're going to a Taylor Swift concert? <sighs> for two people? One person. One person. I'd say 250 300 no, Carrie, you got to go higher than that. Five hundred. We're talking about a night out. We're not just talking about the the concert and food, and dinner, maybe a, a t-shirt. You know, 
And I don't think anyone buys any Taylor Swift merchandise when they I'm go sure, to the concert. I'm sure they do. No, so what? 500? No, no, Carrie got to go higher than that. 750. Oh, Carrie, come on. Come on. 1,000? Well, yeah, now we're into the right digits, but you know, but it's not quite, yeah, keep going. 1,200? No, no, higher than that. 1,500. 1,500. See, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I feel like sometimes as Americans, we we don't have our priorities straight. You think? You think 1,500? Have you ever, Carrie, spent $1,500 to go to a concert? No. (laughs) Would you ever? Absolutely, I wouldn't spend five hundred mark to go to a concert. The millennials think nothing of it, right? Now, so, now, 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 I'm not saying that um, you know Taylor Swift is going to move the U.S. GDP, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a twenty-five trillion dollar economy, right? I'm just saying it, it may help explain why U.S. savings accounts are down, right? All right, so so that's the problem. That's what I'm saying. How, what people say necessities are. Some people, and I know people will say forego other things to make sure their kids go to the dealers or whatever the latest. And to me, I just think that's there. That's not a necessity. That's that's to me a high ticket luxury. But anyways, okay. So if GDP came in slower, that's a sign that the consumers are slowing. That's a sign to the Federal Reserve that maybe they can stop raising rates. Okay. But let's look at PCE, which is their preferred inflation factor. You know, it's the, um, and what we're looking for is can they pull off this immaculate disinflation, right? So we can look at headline, we can look at core. You know, the adults in the room always look at core that excludes food and energy because they're too volatile they're right. too globally driven there's nothing the federal reserve can do about the price at the gas pump right? right it's it's more to it than that um but let's say so but but most people want to look at headlines so, okay headline um year over year came in at 3.3 percent okay which is higher right than the previous year over year of three percent okay so that's going the wrong direction and what the fed the fed's trying to Lower that. Okay. All right. Um, now, if you just look at month over month, which is a more you know current reading. So again, it came in at 0.2%, two-tenths of a percent increase, which is a similar increase in June, two-tenths, but which was higher, though, than May, which was 0.1. Okay. So so a little bit sticky there. I mean, it, it, it's gone up, um, you know, at, at the beginning, of, you know, at the beginning of the year or well, the end of last year. You know, just looking at, you know, where uh, PCE was. So at the end of last year, year over year was 5.0. January was 5.4. February was 5. March was 4.2. Things started looking good. April, 4.4. Little peak back up. May, okay, 3.8. All right. June, 3.0. Looking trend down until July, 3.3. Peak backed up again. Now, if you want to look at core, that's what the Federal Reserve looks like looks at okay that year over year came in at 4.2 so right now core is even higher than headline so that, again that's why you know for everyone who says oh never use core well now the core is higher than headline which you want to use mm-hmm. you know this is why we you know we look at core all right um but look how sticky core has been all year so it ended last year at 4.4 percent January is 4.7, February is 4.6, March it was 4.6, April tick back up to 4.7, May tick back down to 4.6, June it dropped down to 4.1, 
two-year low, and now July ticked back up to 4.2. And the the month-over-month, just like headline, core is the same, 0.20. But so so this is is telling the Federal Reserve maybe their work isn't done yet, Mm -hmm. okay, because um, we saw that PCE ticked back up. But then let's look at the... um, the payroll data. So we got the triple play payroll, and that means you know every month we get you know three major data points. We get the ADP report, we get the JOLTS report, um, and then we get the monthly jobs report, which is the biggest one. That's the one everyone waits for. That's what came out this morning. We're taping the show on Friday. All right. So early in the week we got the. Um, now the Jolts report, Carrie, that's a month old, you know. So that's right. we're looking. It came out, but it's looking for July. Okay, um, so this is we're showing, you know, how many job openings are there. So it came in at eight point eight two seven million. Okay, but the consensus was looking for nine point five million. So that was a downside surprise. Okay. Okay. Um, remember, we're, at one point we were quoting this, there were two jobs for every available right. worker. It's down now to about 1.5 jobs. Which is still a That's good substantial, just, right. But it's still a substantial decline. Oh, absolutely. But it's still a good. Okay. And that's what the, you know, and and um, that's, th- you know, th- this tight labor market. Um, okay. Now, how many people are quitting? Okay. So... Yeah, so quits dropped to two hundred fifty-three thousand. Okay, um, to three point five million. So the quits are slowing again. So people aren't maybe making the, the moves, the, making the moves, or, or saying, stopping or, work. or you know, the great resignation and stuff like that. So, so that's back to pre-Rona normality, right? And um, and layoffs stayed about the same. So, so what do we see there? So the jolts is saying, yeah, probably the lowest level of job off uh, openings in the last two and a half years. Okay. Um, then we got the ADP report, the newfangled ADP report okay. that nobody cares about. I was going to say, do they care? Why are they even having them still do it? I don't know, but it. So the 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 street was looking for one hundred ninety five thousand. Came in at one hundred seventy seven thousand. Mm, it's coming in short. Coming in short. Coming. But in we don't trust short. their numbers anyway, okay, right? So, but, but again. <laughs> Data saying, um, so so what about the jobs report? Okay, so again, for the non-farm payrolls, uh, the street was looking for 182,000 new you know, non-farm payrolls. Um, actually came in at 187,000. Okay, so right about what the street right. was looking for. Um, and the previous week, or the previous month, um, it came in at 187,000. But it was revised downward by thirty thousand. So actually, last month it was down to one hundred fifty-seven thousand. This month it's back up to one hundred eighty-seven. You know, still cooling off. All right, and that's what the Fed wants to see. There, you know. Now, the unemployment went way up here. Okay. So unemployment previous was three and a half percent. It came in at three point eight percent. Okay. So what happened? Well, basically. They're, they're, they said that probably about 700,000 people went out to look for work. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's a chunk. Okay. 200,000 got jobs. Okay. And the 500,000 who didn't get jobs filed unemployment. They said that's why unemployment is ticking back okay. up. Okay. Um, because now they're seeking jobs and not getting them. 
Um, wage growth. That's another thing that the Fed's watching very closely, the wage spiral that we talked about, right? You know, we don't want that. The Federal Reserve doesn't want right, that. Right, I was going to say. Um, the wage growth went down to 0.2%, lowering the annual year-over-year down to 4.3%. You know, and again, the, the you know, that's that, you can't have that wage rate. You can't have that, if the companies have to continue paying higher and higher right. wages, we got problems for the long run. Right. Okay, because then they're gonna, companies are going to shut down like yellow for you know yellow trucking um so the uh and and we're also worried like again the the hollywood the the writer strike is still going oh yeah um it, you know the the uh the wage growth is slowing but so all in all if you look at the triple play payroll it's probably fed what fed wanted to see in other words, it's almost like the Goldilocks report. You know, mm-hmm. it's not too bad, not too good. Right. Okay. And and Fed of Reserve told us unemployment's going to have to go up. They don't want it going up to, you know, double digits. Right. But they, they had to get it above three and a half percent. And and inflation is is still kind of sticky. It's made right. the PC is not coming down. So our, so what does that do? Then I'm thinking that this, if you look at all those, the, the, the PCE and the GDP and the payroll numbers, I'm thinking it wasn't enough bad news, you know, good news, bad news. It wasn't enough of the news to make the Federal Reserve raise rates in September. Right. Because I think they're worried about that especially with these pending strikes. Well, and I think all these headlines makes people concerned or uncertain whether, you know what, maybe I shouldn't retire now or maybe I shouldn't spend on this. But I think it comes back to our planning process can give you clarity of should you really be worried, regardless of the headlines, regardless of the news, are you, you know, taking on more risk? Can you be, I mean, we have a few clients actually that lost big, was it 2008 now, Mark? And um, that they've parked things in pretty much fixed. They had slow growth, but they didn't lose principal. They take minimal, whatever that is for your peace of mind. You know, we can show our clients, are you underspending, overspending? Can you really retire now and still have a good retirement? Maybe you're not worth because we can run those projections isn't getting as big, but you're still doing everything you want to building in realistic and accounting for income, inflation, growth rates, taxes, because tax planning is a big piece when one of our philosophies at the estate planning team is, you know, use the government's money. We mean use planning strategies and create income tax efficiently, use opportunities and, you know, each tax year stand alo- stands alone with the Secure Act 2.0. If you're someone, you know, for many people, kicking that minimum required distribution to 73, some people even older to 75, opens up a window for people to take more tax-efficient distributions from your IRAs and company plans, convert to a Roth if you don't need it for spending, and create a bigger tax-free pot of money. So if Congress does raise tax rates in the future, that you're in a better position. And also after 2025, remember, if they don't do anything, tax rates are going up. The standard deduction reverts to what it was, which is about cut in half. So take advantage of opportunities. This may be a big year for people to look at these things, and we can help you with that possibly. And we do offer a free consultation. And if you also want to learn more about IRA, Ross, and 
company plans, distribution planning, Roth conversions, qualified charitable distributions, and details on the both Secure Acts. You can attend our September planning classes in Middleburg Heights on September 12th at 10 a.m. or September 20th at 6 p.m. You can get more information by calling us or schedule a free consultation at 440-239-2090. That is 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build these custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those decades, Carrie's, we've tried to address the shock line issues that our new mm-hmm. clients are worried about. For example, we only, you know, we only want our clients retiring once in their lifetime. Now, if they retire and they're bored sitting on the couch and want to go back to work, that's fine. But we don't want them retiring and then a couple of years in retirement realizing they can't afford to be right. retired, right? Um, those, those shock lines I read in the beginning um, or you know, rereading all the time on the internet. Um, 80, 81% of the full-time workers want a four-day work week. Well, how do we help our clients in that? We say, if well, maybe you can do a scaled-down work week. Right. You know, the encore career, the hobby career. Maybe you don't have to be working the 60-hour grind anymore. Right, and a lot of people don't mind working. They just don't want to work as much. Or maybe they want to do something different. Yeah. 70% of Americans admit being stressed about finances. We don't want 70% of our clients, and our and I don't know, there's nowhere near 70% of our clients are no. stressed about financing. That comes, peace of mind is available. Because if you model in a worst-case scenario, and if one, a lot of times, it actually shows you you're going to be okay. You're sitting here worrying about all these headlines for no reason. Or for other people, you at least know if the worst happens, this is how to adjust to maintain and stay on track so I don't run out of money. And people, it's not now. It's not in the next two, three years. It's beyond life expectancy. It's not like you're 85 going to say, well, if I don't make up the money, I'm going to go back to work. Hopefully you're in great health that you can do that. But realistically, right. And that's the idea. It, it's it's that's why it's difficult to do it in your head. Everybody has a pretty good idea of how much money they're going to spend in the next twelve months and kind of where that cash flow is coming from. But to do that for thirty years in a complicated tax code, ugh, that's tough to do. That's mm-hmm. why we need the robots. That's why we need the programs. Now, it's always the old adage, you know, garbage in, garbage out. We spend a lot of times, that's why I'm not big on the Monte Carlo analysis. I don't think there's enough input going on, enough enough drilling down on what you're putting into the Monte Carlo analysis when I my clients bring those in that they, they've got maybe from one of their investment advisors. And it also um, doesn't tell people, Mark, because people get nervous when wages end. I may have a company plan. I may have non-qualified investments, but it's a lot of people get really nervous about creating the income they need. And it's the cash flow planning that we help people with. Right. And the cash flow planning, actually, Kara, that's a good point. That actually comes more, once the 30-year model's built and right. they know that, hey, I'm in the ballpark, I'm going to be okay, even though my plan R is going to be okay, it's that annual cash flow actually becomes more important. Because Monte Carlo just doesn't tell you how. How do I get that? How do I feel? No, especially. I mean, most Monte Carlo analysis, they're put into a sock drawer and never taken out again for 30 Or it tells you, oh, I'm going to be okay, but how do I create it? Am I watching different tax thresholds? Um, here, only 45% of adults said they have an emergency fund. Now, Carrie, how long have we been preaching on this show? Your first defense to protect your family 
against an economic downturn is, Carrie? Cash reserve. Having an emergency. What we call a cash say, reserve. Yeah. They, I think we've know, been talking about it since we've been doing this show, Mark. That, and, and <laughs> you know, that's, that's going to give you the peace of mind, you know, and, and if you, and you want to be working to build up your cash reserve before you retire. Right. Um, you know, and we, we talk about that to our new clients. Um, of those who do have a cash reserve, according to this study, Carrie, um, 26% polled said it's below $5,000. Okay. So if you say, you know, 45% have an emergency fund, but 26% is under 5000 That's not much of an emergency that's fund. That's not much. Of an, but again, that's why the averages don't be much. Because they're spending you know. money. Some people are spending money on 50. Maybe if they didn't spend money on 1500 or Taylor Swift concert tickets. Wow. The Swifty. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I can see it still. It's okay. Why am I playing? It's soft I have no idea, Mark. Lands. It's tall, majestic hills where the ocean kisses Ireland. The waves caress so, its shore. Why do we even celebrate it? Honestly, I don't know. Do you know there's an Irish connection? No, I did not. I honestly don't know other than it's a day to kind of t- day off work. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you the Irish connection. Okay. Because it's a it's it, it, a lot of people, you know, historians say it was Irishmen who created it. Huh. Okay. Now, there's a little bit debate because there were two Irishmen. We're talking circa Kerry 1882. Okay. New York City union laborers movement, right? Mhm. The immigrant workers, right? Mhm. And there were two Irishmen who had a same last name, Carrie. Okay. Right? But they weren't brothers. Okay. Okay. The name was McGuire. McGuire with a C, M C and Mugwire. Okay. Now a distinction, Carrie, may be only important to an Irishman who's trying to distinguish kin from just another country. Right. right? But so it was so some say it was the brainchild of a respected union leader, Peter McGuire, MC. Okay. Okay, in a meeting in the New York Central Labor Union. Others credit Matthew Mugwire, also a respected union leader and member of the New York Central Labor Union, but with a reputation for radicalism. Okay. Okay. Why, you know, so the so the, the the historians suggest that after the Labor Day became a big deal, Union Brass credited Mickwire MC instead of Mugwire in the origin story <laughs> to keep the hints of radicalism out of it. Oh, still it always comes okay. down to politics, doesn't it? In any case, someone had suggested a parade and picnic to celebrate workers and unions at a meeting in New York in 1882. Tickets to March were sold to the male union members for 25 cents each, while women and children marched for free. Though the event was planned mostly by Irish immigrants, ads were translated into German. Alcohol was banned. That's a... That's, that's a... Num- a yeah. I can't believe that. <laughs> right. Know, but anyway. Especially if it was Irish origin. Not that... No, because I, I don't think anybody in America drinks on Labor Day weekend mm. now, do they? Okay. It was scheduled for September 5th, a Tuesday meaning most of the demonstrators were skipping work. Divisions came from New Jersey's, uh, from Jersey City, Brooklyn, Harlem, and other areas as they gathered on Canal Street. 
Um, so as I say, more than 20,000 carry people, more than 20,000 oh. people marched up Broadway to Bryant Park, a little under three miles, holding banners and singing songs about the eight-hour workday and other union demands. Huh. Now, what are the unions demanding today, Carrie? 32-hour weeks. Oh, geez. As opposed, so, this was a, so this initial one, they were just looking for that eight-hour a day. Okay. Afterward, marchers went to a picnic at Wendell's Elm Park, a private park on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. There were even more people and more unions there at the picnic. There were 15 daily newspapers in the city at the time. Can, can, can you imagine... How many, you know, I mean, 15 newspapers. Oh, my gosh. That's, I mean, I only remember when there was the Plain Dealer and the Cleveland Press. Well, yeah, we had the two (laughs) daily ones. Um, And the coverage of the event was mostly glowing, okay? It went so well that organizers decided they would do it again next September. Hmm. Within a few years, it had spread to other states and cities and was moved to the first Monday in September. Hmm. So there you go. I didn't know that. So leave it to the McGuire's, whether it was McGuire with a C right. or McGuire. Everybody <laughs> appreciates the day off. Um, so, okay, we got um, some minutes left. So, you know, we're doing the class, and maybe we'll just kind of review some of the things that we go over at the class, right? Okay. Um, and... One of them is we play the the tax limbo game, right? Mm-hmm. Which is important, and it's the idea of saying how low can you go. In other words, <laughs> um, now new clients, you know, when we have a new client come in and we have a goals and objectives questionnaire and you know discussion. It's a universal. All oh, Mark, I want to save taxes. Carrie, have right. you heard that a few times mm-hmm. in thirty six years? Uh, most of and, the time. And we always say, well, you know, we can save everybody taxes. Right. You know how? Don't spend any money. I'm doing, mm-hmm. the, I'm doing the Joe Biden whispering right. for effect. <laughs> don't do that. It's creepy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. If you don't spend any money, I can guarantee you I can save you income taxes. Right. And you can say, well, Mark, I still have to take out my RMD. No, you can give it away to charity. Won't cost you right. a dime in taxes. Um, well, Mark, I have wages. I have, well, no, you can retire. You won't have any, uh, any more payroll taxes. So yeah, but that's not a that's not a realistic answer, right? No. What most people want to know is, um, I want to maintain a certain lifestyle, right? But I want to, you know, can I save any taxes on to boot? Right. I, I don't want to save taxes to the point that I can spend a lot less in retirement. That's usually not right. the goal when we drill down. Correct. It's usually first. Well, let's set what you really envision your retirement lifestyle to be. But once we get that. And sometimes we call that plan A or base case, right? We're saying just to see, are you in the ballpark, right? And and then we say, okay, now let's take a look and say, which if you just follow this pathway, which tax thresholds are you approaching or that you may actually be going through? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and there's many tax thresholds. The ones that most deal with estate planning team clients, um, it, it's usually carry one. It could be um, 
you know, the when when does your Social Security start being taxable? Right. Now, quite honestly, most of our clients, are, they're already beyond that because the threshold's right, but, not very but high. But people hear about that, right. you know. So for a single person right now, that's like 25. And that's combined income. It's not only knowing the amount, it's, it's what thresholds it's based on. You've got... Taxable income, that's like after standard right. deduction you or itemized deduction. You have adjusted gross income. Adjust, you have modified adjusted gross income. Sometimes you've got to add back tax-exempt interest right. to your adjusted gross income. You've got combined income for Social Security. That's where you have to add up everything, your AGI, and then you've got to add back one half of your Social Security. And right. It's, 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 did I say it's complicated? Yes. I, I, I keep saying that's one of our axioms. You know, the, 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 they've made the tax, o, tax code so complicated, it prevents compliance. Right. Um, but anyway, so, so, but that could, that does affect you. Again, for a single person, right. that's 25000 It starts being taxable. The maximum of your Social Security can be taxable is 85%. Right. And for a single person, that's if you've got 34000 of this combined income. Right. Um, for married jointly, it starts being taxable at 32000 combined income, gets to the 85%. Max at forty four thousand. So again, most of our clients are already there. Right. There's not, but there could be some window sometimes where, for a couple of years, we can, you know, we can try to. It, it, we look, but let's flag it if we can do it. Right. Okay. But then the next one may be um, the zero percent long term capital gains rate and qualified dividend rate. Right? That's it. That could be a big one for some people. I don't think enough people are taking advantage right. of that. We've been talking about that, you know, ever since you know the Mitt Romney days. You know, when when you know or you know and and those type of things. But um, so does everyone understand? There's a zero percent long-term capital gain rate and qualified dividend rate. Now, for this year, for a single person, that's up to, you know, 44,625 taxable income, Carrie. Hmm. That's after um deductions. And we have the high standard deductions right now. Right. Um and for a married filing jointly, it's 89,280. I mean, the standard deduction for a married couple over both over sixty five, it's thirty thousand. It's more than thirty thousand dollars this year, Carrie. So you take the the threshold of eighty nine thousand plus another thirty thousand. You're talking, you know, that's that's you can create a lot of income oh, yeah. at a zero percent rate. Hmm. For cash flow, this is where you don't think you know tax planning makes a huge impact long term. Another one is when your Medicare premiums start going up. We call that the Irma, you know, Aunt Irma's adjustments, right? The <laughs> the income related monthly adjustment amount, and this is this is catching more and more of the state planning team clients over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and more and more, uh, we're we're doing. And actually, we have a in in this class, we've added a detailed analysis to that. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen how that works, but um, come to the class. But the, but the idea. Is if you have a certain level of income, and here we're talking about modified adjusted gross income, so you got to take your AGI and add back in your tax exempt interest. If that's over a certain level, you pay higher Medicare B and Medicare D if you're on the prescription drug plan premiums. Now, what is that threshold currently? The first threshold for a single person, it's 97000 Okay. For married filing jointly, it's one hundred and ninety-four thousand. Okay. Okay. Um, and that's where. So if you're under that, you don't have any Irma adjustments. But if you start going over that, then you, and there's there's five tiers above that. Right. Come to the class. We can. I don't have time right now to go through all the tiers. But the idea is saying, and that's what a lot of people don't know. They say, well, I, 
if I just follow the government's required minimum distribution, am I going to have an Irma problem? And that's what we try to help you understand. That's why you can't do that math in your head. And honestly, if you have not five and you're just waiting for minimum, you might have a bigger tax problem. You may not be spending money you could have spent or address worries that you have because people don't know. And the other thing that traps people here is they don't understand the two-year gap or the two-year Wait, in other right. words, so for this Irma, it's a two-year difference. In other words, you're 19, well, 19, I guess I'd be getting to the right decade. I was going right? say, yeah, wrong, wrong decade. <laughs> I was thinking the 190, not 194. Right. No, you know, so your 2023 tax return will dictate what your 2025 Medicare right. premiums will be. There's a two-year gap. Right. So like our client, we remind people to let us know what the premiums will be because they'll get notified in November, December, because you have until October 15th to file your 2022 tax return. So the government has data on that. And then November, December, you'll get a notice on what your 2024 premium, because they're basing it on the data they have, which is 2022. Your tax return data, right. And, and, and we also get the new threshold rates and what the new premiums are. That all comes out because they use third quarter data right. for that. So it all, it's, that's all, this is all starts happening in the fourth quarter. All right. So, um, so that's one that we have a lot of clients now are, are keeping an, uh, their eyebrows and they're keeping their ears open, their eyes open. And now we're planning that, you know, in, in other words, in the idea of saying, Hey, if, if my future required minimums and, and that's that's going to be directly driven by what investment rate of return you're right. using, right? So you might not have a Irma problem if you're using a four percent rate of return, but you know if you're unlucky enough that you actually get six percent rate is, of return, right? Which you know very you may, likely, right? right? You might. Okay, then. Um, so you know, you know the uh, and then the, the, a threshold above that. Um, that affects some of our clients. That's where, you know, the, the, if you, if the affordable health care, you know, the Obamacare, the, you know, the additional, right. um, net tax on net investment income or the additional Medicare right. payments, that's for a single person, 200,000 of modified adjusted gross income or married jointly, 250,000. So these are some of the, you know, so the idea of some of the tag year and tax strategies, hey, can I, do I have some room to max out that threshold so it, it prevents me in future years going through that threshold? That's what we'll talk about. All right. Take advantage of our free consultation by phone or in person or come to our IRA classes. Call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Have a safe Labor Day weekend. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.